Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic podcast. I am your host, Chris Galhart, and I'm joined by Louis McCaffrey. Hi, I'm here. We're calling him Mr. Consistent now, that's your new nickname. Consistency. Mr. Consistent. Um, we are also joined by Harji Keith McGinty. Greetings. Great stuff. Uh, what are you on Twitter? At Ginty1888. Give him a follow. I'm not going to say yours because yours is private, isn't it? It is private. Right, see, when I said angle the mic, what did you think Sorry, of that? Well, Jenkins was, was just talking to Keith. Right. Well, um, we've got a really interesting podcast coming up. We have uh, we sit down talk with sit down talk is that a thing? Um, we had well, a we talk, are sitting down and talking, so yes. Yeah, we we discussed um, the upcoming city game with uh, Miguel Delaney, which was a pleasure. The guy was wonderful. Wonderful. Um, we'll hear that kind of in the middle of the podcast. Um, his thoughts and opinions on what, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, parallels between Brendan Rodgers and Pep Guardiola and stuff. Quite interesting. And um, he's a great guy. And we'll give you your, give him a follow on Twitter, etc. But what we're going to do is we're going to start with um, a question. Uh, with this being the week that we face Manchester City, who are an English Premier League team, I'm asking, and again... Tweet us, feel free to tweet us and uh, let us know what your thoughts are on your favourite game against an English team. So, we've got Keith, we've got uh, Louis, we've got myself. Does anyone want to start? Does anyone want to volunteer? I'll start it. Alright, because um, I could have. Yeah, but I'll do it. Um, okay. So, my my one would probably be the uh, Blackburn game. Um, Home or away? Away. Uh, Celtic 1-2-0. Ewood Park. Ewood Park is the name of the, the ground. Um, Graeme, La- Graeme Souness. Graeme Souness manager. Larson scores. Sutton scores, who's just a legend. We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, it was the first t- time a Scottish side had overcome a English opponents in Europe uh, in over a decade. A time before that was Rangers against Leeds, because I just read it on my phone. Yeah, Um the only Stats, real, to facts. be fair, I think the only real um, other time between the Leeds game and the Blackburn game was the Liverpool game. Can only beat with some fun, you, Chris. <laughs> that that's, doesn't make sense in this concept. I know. This concept. But um, anyway, that that game, um, I just thought was it, it was billed as a proper battle of Britain. I remember the build up to it, and uh, it, you know, I was going down there getting a lot of kind of. People saying we couldn't do it and blah 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 English football blah 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 uh, and we went down there and we done the business put them in a place <laughs> that's what we done. <laughs> I remember the game well. This. I watched the some of the game in Bears Bar because I was going to see Gomez at the Barrows that night and we left uh, Liquid Skin Tour. It was indeed. There you go. We left um, Bears, shot up the stairs, got over to the bar just as the uh, first tune was getting played. Um, I checked my phone. 10 minutes in and seeing that we were I think it was just the one goal up at that time so made the gig even better checked it later on 2-0 fantastic but I'd missed the goal be 40 seconds because I went home and watched it again I'm saying to my mum and dad this is where I saw up to <laughs> 40 seconds later I'm sure it was Henrik scored uh, Henrik scored first yeah um, there was a Larson kind of there was a ball put through Larson kind of slips the defender slips uh, sorry Hartson slips the defender slips um, Larson comes in, fantastic dink over the keeper, mm. and then Sutton with a near post, his, his famous near post run. Um, frustratingly, how bad we are at um, set pieces at the moment. 
is highlighted by rewatching that game uh, with how good we yeah. were at one point. Um, myself personally, what's my favourite game against European competition, um, English competition? I've got a couple of favourites, possibly though the game Anfield. Um, but I believe that's yours, Keith. <laughs> yes, thanks yeah, for so that. Chris. I, yeah. <laughs> Just you steal that one. Um, something that brought that one to mind was um, how everybody's been raving about De Bruyne and his free kick. I think it was last week. Yeah. They went underneath the wall and how they hadn't seen that before. They've seen people try it. Alan Thompson did that what, yeah. 13 years ago. And, and absolutely meant it as oh, well. Completely. It was a, a great, great game. Sat in the house, watched it with my dad all the way through to the, the final. Watched the games with my dad. Absolutely magic. Um, but then the second half when Hartson did he not make Sunday first? Aye. Yeah, it's a drop of the shoulder. Oh. Slid it through. Drop Hammered the shoulder. it. Oh. Hammered it. Um, yeah, I remember when we were drawn with uh, Liverpool and just thinking, oh well, we came this far. Um, because Liverpool at that time had a knack for getting to UEFA Cup finals or getting to semi-finals. They just had this knack um, about them. But Larson scoring after, remember he did jaw rewired and he scored after, in the three first minutes. leg, three minutes. But then after that, me as yeah, well. we, 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 uh, we scored early on and that game at Parkhead, they absolutely dominated Liverpool. Gerrard and... Heskey? Yeah, Heskey scored, but it was Gerrard and uh, Haman in midfield. Um, fantastic display of football. It, we drew one each. And that's the thing about the, that UEFA Cup run. Our home form was terrible. Not necessarily form, because we did get results, but how we played... Which I guess is for yeah. <laughs> um, performances, but our, our, you know, away from home in that that run, we were sensational <laughs> until, until the big away game. <sighs> yeah, let's not go there. Okay, um, the game I'll I'll pick actually would probably be the the game against Manchester United when Vinegar Hesslink scored and Naka scored the free kick. Oh. Um, again, two great games against a fantastic Manchester United team, Old Trafford. We ended up losing three two when Ryan Giggs dived. There's Cheat. no, there's no allegedly here. Cheat. Don't need go on about it. It was a dive. Di- okay, dived. Um, again, Gravison costing us in that game as well. Um, slack, slack play from a player who shouldn't have, um, shouldn't have been, should have known better. But anyway, it was one of my favourite strips as well, the black and green one. Can I just say that was unbelievable? See that knacker free kick though. Oh my god! Yummy, yummy. What, the one at home. Can, can I consider? Like how far out it was as well. It was it quite not? similar? Do you know? Do you know how far out it actually was? Forty billion miles. Wow, that's actually how far out oh, it was. That's how many Stats goals Lee Griffiths scored last mm-hmm. season. Forty million thousand. See, I had a funny joke, and you've ruined it. By trying to pick it <laughs> we back can edit that out. No, we can't. <laughs> we do not edit anything. We probably should, but we don't. Um, but yeah, so let us know what your favourite game is um, against sort of English opposition in, in Europe. Hey, hopefully we're getting tweets on Friday saying the game on Wednesday. Oh. When Celtic won 1-0. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was 6-0. 6-0, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll Sorry. see. Anyway, uh, what we want to do is we're going to kind of look to domestic matters as, uh, as we do usually. So what I want to look for, the Aloha game was uh, firstly Bravo Aloha good yep, for them yep, well done. very organised I thought um, Jack Ross had them set up in a very very well and efficient way um, I made a comment on Twitter that that's how Celtic should have lined up against Barcelona people responded back saying well you know Celtic still had 30 shots on target the point I was trying to get across was Aloha looked like a unit yep. 
They looked like they were playing each other, um, playing with each other. They were very um, defined. They knew their roles in a way that we didn't look like um, when we got um, turned over 7-0. Again, it looked like a lot of individuals when we get turned over 7-0. Anyway, but let's let we can talk talk kind of focus on that a bit later on. Celtic defeated. And I'm using the word defeated because that's what happened. Come on. <laughs> I don't know why. I was in an angry mood last week. I'm not angry this week, Louis. Um, Celtic defeated Kilmarnock 6-1 um, with some, I'll be honest, scintillating football. Um, Keith, you're at the game. Tell us about it. It was fantastic. The spot we took a while before we get started. Straight from kickoff, Kilmarnock actually had a chance where Chris Boyd, with his scintillating pace, um, was nearly through in goals, but Jozo kind of took him out. If it wasn't for his pace, he would have nothing. <laughs> Um, Leave Boyd alone. He was quite lucky there. Um, I think that maybe could have went either way. But um, from there, the first half hour... I thought it was a foul. Oh, it was definitely a foul, but I don't know if maybe last man, if it was if it wasn't Chris Boyd, then something else could have been said. I think it was Eric that screwed up for that. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, something in my throat. We'll get to that. <coughs> Eric. Sorry. First half hour, absolutely battered them. Um, we were unlucky. We were snatching at shots, and then... Kubilali. I knew his name until you started trying to pronounce it. Kulabali. 21 year old from the Ivory Coast. Uh, been on the books at Real Madrid, is that right? Yep, um, he wrote a book about Real Madrid, correct? Fantastic. <laughs> um, with a Cruyff turn. Come on. Cruyff turn and an opportunistic shot from 43 yards, I think it 44 was. 44 it was, it was confirmed as 44. 44 yards um, that went sailing over. Uh, De Vries. I've got a that's a new pronunciation <laughs> but what is going on I've got a question you've never been to Holland I've, I've got a, I've got a question I've got a question for you that was a brilliant spectacular goal right from from the distance and everything else great hit we also saw in the Aberdeen game um, a terrific free kick brilliant technique what one would you say was a better goal I'll, I'll, I'll give you my point of view first <laughs> so yeah, this is you just because making I a statement, to. really. Then I, I would personally, I would say the free kick, but only because although Kulabali's hit was fantastic, I feel as if there's an element of luck with those goals. But that you maybe an element of luck. It's more about you know the free kick is probably more about kind of technique and the player. I think in his head he went, I'm putting it there. And put it there. But as Koulibaly, I think, was a bit of a hit and hope. Although spectacular. Um, I'll give my opinion. Um, Koulibaly's goal was one of those where you kind of you, you take him back by it because it came out of nowhere. Um, great technique in terms of, you know, he's hit it very, very well. But, you know, we'll come to this in a minute. Maybe the goalkeeper should have saved it. The difference is um, it was a hit and hope. Uh, yeah. But that's not necessarily. I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away from it because it was a sensational strike. But the free kick, Madison, he had to put that ball down. He had to look at his angles. He had to get it right, and he did. And the way he hit that ball, you can see why he's rated. He didn't actually necessarily have particularly a good game overall. I was actually quite disappointed when he came on. I was expecting more from him. Yeah. Um, but the technique was sensational. It was a perfect. Perfect free kick. Um, couldn't have got it any better. But you're talking about um, good fortune. 
maybe getting a free kick in the first place was his good fortune. Do yeah. you think so? I, I, I personally think that he's actually took uh, the, the, the attacker's leg, who's kicked onto the ball, maybe got a toe on the ball as well a wee bit. But oh, I thought it should have been a red, but I mean, we don't <laughs> want it. We, we don't want to get down that road of talking about that game. But I just thought it was interesting because after that that commandment goal, a lot of people were saying that's goal of the season and all that sort of thing. I, I, just for me personally, I like free kicks like as you say where the player's got to he's got to think about a lot of different things that was I just kind of I'm going to hit it and see what happens and I'm not taking anything away from it but you do see them now and then. like for example difference in my opinion would be the way Xavi Alonso he famously scored from half a line Xavi Alonso looks up sees the keeper off his line and hits it um, Charlie Adam for Stoke as well yep. I get um, Naeem from the halfway line although again that's probably just a, that's a hit and hope isn't it um, so Koulibaly take nothing away from it no nope. but you know the free kick was there. I anyway, put on Twitter after the game uh, to see if uh, our followers thought it should have been saved by the keeper or if it was just an absolute screamer. Fifty-seven percent uh, agreed with me that it, it was just a fantastic shot. I watched it before I came out tonight. Watched it on the BBC website and I was pausing it frame by frame. When he first hits it, Davish is um, standing on the six-yard line. Mm-hmm. Um, when he takes a step back the ball is already at the penalty spot, just about over his head. He manages to get a hand up as it's going over him, so his hand's up full reach, and it's still going over his head. And then I don't think there's much he could have done about it. Yeah. But the I, great thing about it was that we showed mental fortitude to come back and score within three minutes. Nice words. <sighs> but You've got catchphrases. I'm looking for a catchphrase. You're not here. getting mental You'll fortitude. Get one. I'm not getting one. I, I I don't really want to blame the keeper either, to, to be honest. I do, but <laughs> you know, you say you saying that from the moment it leaves his foot forty four yards out to the the amount of time it takes to get to the penalty spot, he's only been able to take one step back. I mean, I know it happens quick, but I still think his his reactions possibly could have been better but I still I I, I think if you blame the keeper you're taking something away from from the shot as well and I, I don't want to do that but it, it was a it was a big bit of bad luck for for De Vries as well I think because he's 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 a, he is in the limelight and everybody's questioning him and it's not even about you know the thing that he when he was brought in it was all about his feet it's not even about his feet. It's not even like, okay, so he's might have been really good with his feet. Let's judge him on that. Everybody is judging him on the other things. And the guy, he can't get a shot that he, he can save. I mean, he's obviously learning what it's like to be a Celtic goalkeeper. You're maybe only going to have, you know, at most four shots to save at in a home. game. Aye, aye. At, at home especially. You know, it, you're not going to have, you're not going to be tested that much. So, it's unlucky for him that you get a kind of wonder strike like that to to make everybody continue yeah. this debate, you know. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I was obviously <clears throat> I was obviously joking there. I don't want any of our players. You know, I I am a Craig Gordon fan, so I would prefer he was in goals. But I don't want any of our players to make mistakes. So ultimately, whoever takes place. In, in the 11 I'm going to support and I'm going to want them to do well however I, I said this last week and I'll say it again he doesn't look like he's got a strong wrist I, I, I it's almost like he doesn't necessarily have to save some of these shots he just has to get more in his attempts to save them because a lot of the time he looks beaten before the ball's crossed the line 
that's what I found out against Barcelona that annoyed me so much was not that he was beaten seven times, but it's how he was beaten. It's, it's, I know I'm combined. He was I deflated. Yeah. So. I, I, not, not even deflated, Keith. More, more a case of he just doesn't have a strong wrist. There was two, sh- at least one shot or two shots against Barcelona where it's hit his wrist and it's went in, yeah. where if that's Craig Gordon, he's saving it. That's just, in my opinion, what would have happened. Now, as you say, no matter what, he, unfortunately for the guy himself personally, no matter what he does, he's under the spotlight. The, but that's part of being at Celtic. Yeah. You have to take the pressure. You know, it's not the most uh, technically astute league in the world. It's not the most. Um, it's not full of the most technically gifted players. It's not. It's not the best league in the world. But you have to be able. Playing goals for Celtic, it, it's it's a different mindset, it's a different do you mentality. Not, do you not think that it's kind of got to the point now where it De Vries is in a similar situation to what we've seen with a number of forwards in recent years, where they are immediately. Think about Skepovic, for example, uh, one of the most recent ones, a player who, unless they come in and hit the ground running and, yeah. and rattle them in, if they go a period of you know even a settling settling in period of like four games, five games, and they've not scored. There is so much weight and scrutiny on top of them that you know that they're done. Like, you have to hit the ground running or else you're done. And I kind of feel as if he is like the goalkeeping equivalent. Yeah, there was a wee bit of pressure on Dembele at the start of the season because he didn't quite hit the ground running, he wasn't scoring. 19 year old Dembele. But look at him now. (laughs) Those two finishes were fantastic. But that's that's what this podcast has continually said from the very, very start. You can be the best player in the world, but not everyone can take the pressure of playing for Glasgow Celtic because of the pressure. You know, the the pressure to drop a point, the pressure conceding a goal. Apparently, from when De Vries put a ball out and people got on his back, he turned around to the crowd to try and calm them down. That's... Don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) It's asking for trouble. Don't tell Celtic fans, and and rightly or wrongly, it's... You know, they but are, that, sh- yeah, that so shows that. you a guy who feels the pressure. Doesn't exactly, it? he shouldn't be. Re- I'm not. You know, I'm not going to say he shouldn't be doing that. That's that's entirely up to him. It's his decision. But I don't think he's going to win anybody over by trying to say to the crowd, "It's fine, it's fine." You shouldn't have to. You should have be confident enough in your own abilities. Yeah. On you go. I, I actually think, and I know we're going to come to Man City later, especially with, with Miguel coming on. I actually think a game like this where there are going to be more shots is probably the game that De Vries needs. He needs to go in. Now, it's difficult because, obviously, you saw it with Barcelona. Now, we were away in the camp now, playing against Barcelona, who, majority of the time, try and walk it into the net. So, he was never going to come away for that game looking good. I I, I think you just forget about that one, more or less. But he needs a game where there are shots, there are quite a number of shots and he's got to make some saves and you know maybe Man City's not the, the, the best example but he needs tested but he needs he, he needs to make some saves with his hands to get some confidence yeah that that's an excellent point the other thing I would say just to, to the point you just made there you know when you say it there you can write off the Barcelona game because they work. some of our best goalkeepers of the past you know made their names there yeah 
Some of you know, of course, Fraser yeah. Foster made his name there. David Marshall, okay, David Marshall didn't have as much big a career as, as maybe he'd hoped at Parkhead, but you know, Marshall was sensational at the new camp. Foster kept it to Christ, kept it to 6 1 the last time we went to the new Grand camp. Um, so I, I get what you're saying. I just want to, uh, Paul Kakosa, um, at Paul C Boy 67, hope we stick with Craig Gordon for Wednesday's game. Rather have a goalkeeper that can save shots than able to ki- uh, kick the ball out of the box. Hail, hail, thanks a lot, man. Uh, Derek at the Boy Moz. This is quite an interesting one. Who's the worst keeper you've seen in a Celtic jersey? Mine is Mark Brown. He didn't really make mistakes as such, he just didn't like save anything. <laughs> Does that description <laughs> remain, remind you of anyone? Yeah. Um, I, what I would say, Derek, is he actually had a sensational game against um, Spartak Moscow in Moscow um, when we got through. So you're talking at your ass. I saw him in Ikea Joke. once. He looked like a really nice guy. He seemed to have <laughs> a great walk. What was his walk like? Aye? Um, back to the... I know we're kind of going off kind of Kultler, but um, what impressed you about the performance of Louis against Kilmarnock? Um... Kind of, kind of difficult one. I don't think, I don't think much really. St- I don't think we learned a great deal from the game. If you like, um, Kilmarnock were pretty hopeless. Um, they they didn't really offer anything going forward, which obviously plays into Celtic's hands. Um, you know, so- sometimes, well, pretty much the majority of the time over the even over the last few years. If you want to really have a go and get something from a Celtic game, i.e. other domestic clubs, you have to have a go at them. You have to press them. You have to get in their faces. And that is... Any player who has time on the ball has an easy easy life. If you put a, a player under immediate pressure, no one likes someone running at them. And the way Kilmarnock went about it at the weekend, which I was kind of disappointed in, uh, in Lee Clark because I thought, you know, we, we might see something... Um, they just kind of invited the pressure. They didn't get at anyone. The Celtic players had a lot of time on the ball to pick their passes. The one thing I would say, though, is I thought the movement was good. Uh, the, the movement from Celtic players was a, was a lot better. Um, but, it, I mean, the, there is a huge difference between us and Kilmarnock. Just like there's a huge difference between Man City and Celtic. There are... No, 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 there's a, a big difference in quality. Celtic probably could have even won more than 6-1, but 6-1 by no means flattered anybody. No. We deserved 6-1. Some good individual performances, um, I, I felt at times, but over the piece, it, it was just, it was expected. Um, 68% possession, 23 shots, only 9 of them in target. I would say that Kilmarnock did have a lot of last ditch tackles and um, throwing themselves in front of the ball. I thought they tri- their shape didn't make any sense. Um, I like Lee Clark, but he's brought in too many players uh, in one at one point where I don't think he knows his best team. I like him. I think he's a good manager. I just think he's maybe underestimated the league again. Very honest. A- after the game, said that we blew him away. Many you know, boys as well. I, I mean, he- um, Keith. Uh, Question here. Um, actually, I just want to make one point. Is a Giri fanboy? Um, has DeVries actually made a save in a Celtic top yet? Well, they talked about that. Um, the answer is no. Is it 17 shots? 19 shots and conceded 12, I think. Yeah. Here's one for you. Um, James Forrest was, uh, scored an absolutely fantastic goal at the weekend. Um, Maradon-esque, some would say. 
Um, not me. <laughs> but this leads to the, the, the kind of point as a John, Johnny Feeney at OKJohnnyGo okay on Twitter. He asks, uh, has Paddy, is, is Paddy Roberts in decline? Or has he kind of been found out? Is that harsh? Very harsh. It's a, it's a long season. And just now, Forrest is on the, the up. I think we stick with Forrest until that wee decline starts to come. Or we, we utilise both players because there'll be different games where they're needed. Forrest tends to stick a wee bit outside. Um, whereas Roberts likes to come in in the diagonal. Um, funnily enough, it was Forrest's goal where he came in the diagonal. One wee thing that it, it doesn't quite highlight on the in sports scene at the weekend was his first touch when the ball came out to him. He actually cut across the ball so that it was spinning forward. Um, so his second touch was moving towards goals. It was phenomenal. Once he'd done that, he made a lovely wee one to be Tam Rogic. Lovely weighted ball into him. And then outside the right foot again. He showed great composure to take past a couple of uh, killer defenders in the, in the actual box before he just slotted the pass the keeper. He's showing a wee bit of maturity now and I think that's coming from the the confidence that Rodgers has, has given to him because I'll be honest if he'd left during the summer we weren't really going to miss him. An interesting point. Um, yeah, I mean we hide, well, you know, when we get to speaking to Miguel it's, you know, there's parallels between um Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling and James Forrest yeah. about what the ma- ma- new manager coming in and completely rejuvenating their career. Uh, we're going to get to the defence in just one second, Louis, but uh, Dembele. Cracking, uh-huh. um, eh? Yep, he was lethal for those the, the two goals that he scored. Um, I'd like to see him have more shots on goal now. That it, is, it is a difficult one, I think, with the way that he plays, he's not an off the shoulder type, really. Um, he likes, he does like the ball on his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, likes running, and and the thing is, yeah, he does. And but I think we have other people who will carry the ball. You know, you've got obviously uh, Forrest, who just uh, for my tuppence worth, I I, I know I've kind of been trying to bam up Samani for a wee while about the the Forrest and uh, Roberts debate but for me just simply down to form Forrest is playing probably arguably the best football he's played uh, in his career right now yeah um, I'd say so because it's, it's his most consistent yeah yeah. I mean there's there's really no question marks at this point about his, his fitness I mean he's you would have to say he is pretty much fully fit and he's been injury free for a while now um, and he he's he looks as if he's 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 really got something about him this year, which is brilliant to see. But you know, you've got Forrest, you've got Sinclair, um, who can really want to be on the ball and we look to get them on the ball and, and they, they can carry the ball. But you've also got Rogic who can carry the ball and the way he links up play at the edge of the box, um when when things are tight it's fantastic but Dembele I think he doesn't get obviously because you've got so many good quality attacking players each the ball can only be with one of them at any one point Dembele doesn't see as much of the ball 
uh, as maybe sometimes I would like him to. I'd like him to test, you know, test keepers from the edge of the box or just outside the area and, and see what happens because we, we've not really had the chance to see that. I think every goal that he's scored, because he's only scored at Celtic Park so far, every goal at Celtic Park has been inside the box. He's not actually had... The Alawa one, you could see he turns on the edge of the box and rattles it in. It's very much a... Smash, but he's still running into the box at that point. I just like that's his game, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I get, I, I get that, but I just, I, it's, I just want to see new things. I, I, I always like, especially in league games where I think like that Kilmarnock game, for example, um, was a, a really good opportunity for us to kind of learn something for Rogers almost to try new things, try and find out more about individuals and the collective team. We didn't really learn a great deal new I didn't think but that sort of thing you know tell him tell Dembele listen I want you to come a wee bit deeper try and get on the ball and and hit some shots let's see just how how long it takes you to find your range something like that you know especially when you've got Rogic who I love and you could some of his bits of quality in the Kelly game are fantastic but Right now, he does not have his shooting boots on, and every time he hits a at shot, it's going way over the all. bar. Yeah. At all, I would rather he was laying it off to someone like Dembele to try and, you know, just add something to his game. But Dembele was playing to the the defence. They were sitting quite deep. We didn't really have that space, and he's a great target for us to to play the one twos off of. Yeah, and yep. he he's strong. You mentioned at the weekend in the WhatsApp group that he won the ball back quite a few times. I'd noticed that myself. That uh, when the Kilmarnock defence managed to get the ball, Dembele was was harrying them. He was chasing it down, won it back. I think he even created a chance for himself. So it's great that we've got that option where we've got the strong, powerful forward that we can play off of because we've got those three um, attacking midfielders and behind. Um, question from Stephen Hughes he's always a gentleman um, thanks for getting involved uh, great pod gents and good evening is the 18 selected for Saturday the small squad Brendan Rogers wants and the rest are now surplus slash youth this was something that um, Ronnie Dyla was always kind of quoted as saying and um, that um, Scandinavian uh, guy you still always say that he wants a 40, he wants 12 players or 18 <laughs> players. I don't know. No. No, no, and obviously it's so Christian, that was one kind of point he highlighted that um Dyla liked a small squad. Um so you're looking at maybe 20, 23, 24 players. Um, you know, one for each position and then filled out with youth. If you actually look at that squad, um, I'm going to quickly go over them. Uh, De Vries, Lustig, Sviachenko, Simonovic, Tierney, Brown, Bitton, Sinclair, Roberts, Rogic, Forrest, Dembele, Griffiths, Gordon Turi, Gamboa, Armstrong and McGregor. Um, quite a lot of variety there in terms of people being able to move into different situations. Lustig can go into um, centre-half. Um, Tierney can... Actually, to be honest, these days, how I mean, how far pushed forward was Tierney against Kilmarnock? I mean, he wasn't even playing as a fullback; he was playing more like a winger. Point being, um, between those players that were named, is there anyone else that you would be like, I think he'll come into the squad? Uh, outside of youth. Because like guys like Christie is going to take time to develop yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, you know you're looking at like guys like Commons, no. um, you know, stuff like that, you know, guys like that. that that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, I th- I at this point, until we start turning that squad around. Yeah, our bench looked very strong at the weekend. Um, the only ones that I would think 
you would hope over the course of the season we'd be getting a chance would be Henderson, Christie. You're not a fan yourself, but I think O'Connell, there's a place for him there. Bringing him through. The GMS hasn't had his chance, so I'd like to see him given a chance. Well, yeah, yeah. He's, he's not been given a chance. Yeah. Yet, so yeah. But one thing um, I, I thought was quite interesting is the kind of the parallels the with Dyla and, and Rogers. Rogers has ended up going. Oh, he's obviously he started off playing a four three three. He tried the the three at the back. He's in the last couple of games he's reverted to what Dyla had and having a four two three one, and that seems to be the kind of default. Obviously, he's obviously tactically a lot better and more astute during games that he he is flexible enough to change it. But his starting formation now is actually what Dyla went with and was so rigid with and wouldn't change. But although there's differences, obviously in, in approach. I think he has almost came to the same conclusions by judging the squad as what Dyla had. Dyla looked at it and went, this is the formation that fits some of those players. And I think Rodgers, over a period of time, although he's ob- he, he, he still gives them different instructions and different tactics and in in, in how they play, the basic formation, starting formation, is actually the same because it is the one that fits the players that he has. Well, and that's I think that's the, the point you make that's quite interesting. That he's, you know, he's came to the same conclusion, but that's just the players he's bought. Dyla bought players for that system. I don't think Rogers will. I think I, I think Rogers has looked at his squad. How best can I utilize utilize these players? And that's how he's utilizing them. But he won't utilize players that he brings in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. His squad might. The squad that we've got now, let's be honest, within a season or two, will probably be completely different. With you know, with Tierney, um, we'll still be there. You know, fingers crossed. Scott Brown might still be there. Hopefully, Griffiths will still be there. Dembele, etc. But you know, the core of guys like McGregor, guys like Armstrong, uh, maybe even guys like Forrest. You know, if depending on what happens, there'll be no Roberts. You know, so there will be a big turnaround where players will be brought in, not necessarily. Players will be brought in with a different maybe system in mind, but he's just utilising what he has. Uh, point here from Matt McGlinchey. Um, am I insane for wanting Henderson to feature at some point on Wednesday? Two words. Corner. Kick. Interesting point. The point with um, I made kind of a couple of minutes ago was our set pieces are garbage. Yeah. Do you know who's the best corner kick taker at Parkhead? Lee Griffiths. Lee Griffiths took, I can't remember who it was we were playing. Recently, he took a corner and he put it right on the boy's head. And we, we scored for it. I think it was it one of the been, European games. Um, I, I'm sure it was a European game. He wasn't meant to take it, but it was over there, so he decided to, to and, take it. And he put, and no, he done it, he, d- he took two. He mm-hmm. took one, and I'm sure we scored from it. He took another as well, and again, it was a brilliant delivery into the box. For me, he he doesn't really represent much from a kind of aerial point of view, especially in a corner situation. His heading has got better during games, especially when the ball's punted up to him. He's good at that point when he's got one man to beat. But in a crowded box, Lee Griffiths isn't your man to rise up and get uh, get a second ball. In. Second yeah. balls in the box. Se- though, second ball, yeah. Second Even ball's fair enough. The goalie. Yeah. We need a, we need someone to put the ball in there. And right now, even Tam Rogic. Can't do it, or if he if 
I don't even think it's, it's so much that he can't do it, but I think he's been told the routine is for him to put it at the back post. But to Lustig, does this, does this routine yes, they've got now yeah. where Lustig runs the, around the back post, the ball goes to him, but it, it's not worked once. No. no. It's not. Lustig's a great header of the ball, but, you know, Sviachenko is like, but I don't understand why they're, try, they're trying this routine over and over. If I'm sitting there and I can see that it's not working, maybe change it up a bit, lads. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Under, you know, Past managers, you know, Strachan was great for it. Um, Martin O'Neill was obviously great for it. Um, if you've got a set piece, you have an opportunity. And we're not in any way utilising um, our opportunity. Even Lennon was good at, at, at set pieces. I mean, you think of some of the goals that we scored. Wanyama, Charlie Mulgrew. Yeah. He he was, to be fair, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the open play might have been a bit turgid at times, but... Set pieces, there was more weight put I, on I, them. I, I, I criticise Mulgrew quite a lot. Um, but what I would say is, towards the end, I don't. I think his set, set piece taken was terrible. But there was a good... That, that season when we did well in the Champions League, a lot of that was down to Mulgrew's set pieces. Yep. We scored goals against Spartak Moscow with, with a set piece. We scored goals against Barcelona with set pieces. So, I absolutely... We need someone... But as you say, how can Tam Rodic, who's technically gifted... And I mean, did you see his... Um, his past, uh, the past when he put it out to Forest, where the ball come across, and he thinks he's going to shoot. This is against Kilmarnock, um, and it's, he just fakes and puts a pass out. Yeah. The guy is oozing class, but he can't pick someone out from a corner. But but then it could also be the other way that it, it, the instructions are too complicated. It the the scenario is too complicated with the get to the corners. It's like he has got to get Lustig who's at the back post, he's got to get the ball up and curved enough that it lands on his head. Maybe it's too it's too advanced. Maybe what they need to say is whip, whip the ball in, get it spinning inward and just try and land it yeah. in the middle of the goal. Yeah. I, I think I think what's what's interesting is what I've noticed over the last couple of games. Sorry, I'll bring you in a second, Keith. Um, Dembele, after his goal in the Glasgow derby from a header, he seems to be getting kind of doubled up um, at corners but that should leave space for other people and we don't have you mentioned yourself there Lee Griffiths I know he's obviously been out of the team and he's well funnily enough he scored from a from his header from uh, who was it that had the shot uh, Yozo had the header and Griffiths yeah, that's right the, um, the point the point is we don't have that aerial threat Lustig always makes that run to the back post and is we can't pick him up we've got Dembele who's maybe marked by one or two guys then there's no one else. I mean, Eric scored that great goal in the semi-final last year, mm-hmm. but has he scored any since? Jozo did look... Jozo was good. Yep. He looked, yeah, that's what I'll say. Last last, he's already last scored, year. He's already well. scored. His aerial threat was good at corners. That sort of thing. So, so was Bitton last season, um, thinking Europa League. Yeah. Yep. He scored a couple So, so let, let's hope that they're, they're working on it. And, and again... We're, we're, we're nitpicking we won 6-1 and we're still nitpicking but I do think from a European perspective set Celtic if, if we're going to beat Manchester City or we're going to if we're going to progress in the, the, the Champions League or get to the Europa League we need to take advantage of set pieces so what you're saying is we need to get Boyata back in the team because he was pretty prolific Especially in Europe last season. It's an excellent point, Keith. And we're, but what we'll do is we'll, we'll put that down to you. That's what you're saying. <laughs> we'll go yes. for a Twitter vote for that one. No. <laughs> it's a nice caveat, Chris. It's a nice caveat. Um, shall we move on? To the centre-back, Ferry. <laughs> um, we've actually had a lot of questions about this, um, and I want everyone's opinion. 
Um, again, what is your opinion from from a listen, listener's point of view? Um, firstly, Robert Sherry at Polite Swede actually tweets, "What will where, when will we ever have a solid defending keeper? I don't know if we will against um, under Brendan Rodgers because of his philosophy. Um, Robert also asks, Colo or Jozo with Eric? So in Robert's mind, Eric is a starter and it's Colo or Jozo. We've got a lot of questions regarding um, what our defence, you know, T.R. underscore Celtic, Jozo or Eric on Wednesday. So everyone's just assuming that Colo Tori will definitely be one centre-back and Jozo or Eric. So talk us through your thoughts, Louis. I think the back five that you saw against Kilmarnock is our first choice back five. Second half? First half? First half. How we started the game. So De Vries and goals, Lustig right back, Jozo and Eric, and Tierney left back. I think that's the first choice back five. And it would be it would be my first choice back five, put it that way. Um, it's interesting. I, 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 I think Cole Touré has been fantastic. And I, I mean, Kieran were talking about this the other day. I actually think Cole Touré has been the best signing that Brendan Rodgers has made, purely because it was a big problem when we, we finished last season was our defence, and especially centre-halves. And we really brought that one guy in, and having him in there, I think, got us through into the Champions League. Scott Sinclair has been fantastic, and I think over the piece, over the course of the season, he will prove to be the best player you could probably already say it just now, but he's probably the best player we've got. But Kolo influence and the impact that he made, especially during those very, very difficult European qualifiers, I think was massive. I still think he goes in against Man City. I still think he goes in in the big European games. For his experience. For his experience and for the, the, the organisation that he brings. But I think going forward... Like kind of longer term after this year and domestically because he can't play all the games it's yeah. not going to happen domestically longer term Yozo and Eric are your two and Koto one of them I don't know what one uh, probably right now it would probably be Yozo that would drop out just although Eric uh, Eric's not been that great recently I think you play you play Colo and one of them has just got to accept that for this season they're not going to play they're going to be on the bench for these big games oh, I just want to I'll bring you in a yeah. second Keith uh, at Big Daddy Pedro um, he put a uh, um, what do you call them again uh, poll poll I couldn't think of the word poll um, he put a poll up asking who Brendan Rodgers best signing has been it was Dembele Toure Sinclair and De Vries there was 1,290 votes Tory get eight percent of the vote. Um, Sinclair get an overriding sixty three percent. I can understand why people have voted that, and you know it's understandable. Especially breaking Jimmy McGrody's record. Yeah, who's that? Jimmy McGrody. Who's that? Legend before your time, Chris. Right, okay, a young one. Like Did you. he play with uh, Scott Marshall in defence? <laughs> no, never mind. Uh, what's your kind of take on it, Keith? Uh, just in terms of what um, Louis's been saying. Do you know I, I was. Disagreeing with you at the start, but I listened to your point as well. I'm glad I did. Um, long term, yeah, I, I agree. I think Jojo and Eric, who are both still quite young, um, 23, 24, both of them, is that right? Um, Eric's 26, Jozo's 22. Right, so still relatively young. Eric's been left out of the Danish squad. Okay, he's not that young. 
he's needing to buck up his idea so he's <laughs> no, better no, here no, no but, I was talking to Danish Footy News on Twitter today and I was just asking because um, he, he revealed the squad and good. I said is you know is Eric out with the thoughts now and he says no just other people are performing better and you know maybe it's due to the fact he's just back yeah I, I think for Wednesday we do need that experience we do need that lieutenant in defence that can shore things up talk people through it because it's going to be the noise from the crowd, the intensity of the game, how well we reckon Man City have started this season, how well that they're likely to play on Wednesday. We do need that experience in there. But I agree with you, I think Eric and Jozo is a good centre-back pair, for, especially for the league. Um, we've got a ball-playing defender in Jozo, who seems to be doing quite well, bring the ball forward. Um, being able to pick passes most of the time. Um, Eric's capable of that as well, but the thing that he's been mostly good for is actually just defending. He's strong, he's powerful, um, he, can, he doesn't get bullied by strikers. So I, I think going forward, that is going to be our strongest centre-back pairing. But we are going to have to use Colo this season. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, by the way, just shout out to Michael Stig's uh, sensational assist at the weekend. Uh, Paul Kokosa says... Can I just, that just, cross come short? It was, it was 100% of you. Before you go on, I wish Big Eric's only 24. Right, okay. Well, I think he's 26. So I think that's whatever you look he's at. He's two years younger than me. <laughs> whatever that is, is not true. Um, Paul Kokosa says, just for the record, but um, Jimmy McGrory um, didn't score in his first game for the Hoops, so Scott Sinclair is already out on his own. It's an interesting little perspective. Um, but, Kieran, I mean, I was, I've got a thing here saying man of the match. Um, Kieran Tierney was almost as good as Michael Lustig again, which is good for him because he's developing <laughs> into the fullback mm. that we need. You're, you don't, you're not even... Not even react to that anymore. No, no. Lustig was great. Tierney was uh, unbelievable. Um, both assists from our fullbacks, which I think goes a lot to see how far they're pushing up and uh, how Brendan wants to play, which is great to see. And I hate this phrase in a way, but playing the Celtic way, um, fullbacks wave pushing after up after wave of attack. Yeah, and that's it. And it is. It's refreshing to see after. Um, God bless the boy um, from last season. Um, man of the match. Was, as well. was Tierney at the match however I thought it was Rogic um, Tierney was wonderful but he was trying a wee bit too hard to get that goal he was working really well with Sinclair who's cutting in and leaving a hell of a lot of space for him to get up and down there he roasted the right back quite a few times um, his ability to pick out a pass from the byline is great the, the, like we said the first two goals came from our, our full backs um, I do think both were meant um, to but pick out the, the striker. Um, can, hold on a minute. Can, I just like winding you up, you know that. <laughs> um, but Tierney has been fantastic. past couple of games, he's been trying more and more shots. At I the bar twice as well. <laughs> and I think that's just getting a wee bit to him that he's maybe been told to do that a wee bit more and he's trying a wee bit too hard. But the energy that he shows and the best thing about him is that he can defend going forward is great but he's still got to get back and defend the boy loves a tackle he gets back and gets into position really really well I think he's getting better every time I see him and 
I just hope he's a big, big Celtic fan because there will be teams coming looking for him. He's got he's got the most assists for Celtic this season so far, um, which obviously is is a big thing to his game. That I think he's 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 improved even since Rodgers came in. Um, he, he seems to be a bit more mature in getting his head up and picking passes. Uh, you know that that last ball. Um, he's great at cutting it back like Keith was saying um, but he has been told to, to shoot more definitely mm-hmm. and if he can add goals to his game you know he's still a player that he's still so young and and kind of in, in experience terms as well but even just physically as a defender as, as a man he's still got such room for growth that you think what he could potentially if he continues the way he's going what he could potentially what level he could be at in say three four years time I, th- I hope he's a Celtic player at that point because it will be a very it, I think it'll be very difficult what you to need, keep him what you also need to remember though is that we were having a debate about whether he should start in the Fenerbahce game last year which was last November yeah. mm-hmm. and we were talking about how big uh, sort of oh it's a big deal putting a 19 year old into a game like Fenerbahce that was that was less than a year ago yeah. and now he's one of the first names in the team and sheet. you remember that as we were going through that season we said he can't play every game we've got to we've got to give him a rest he can't do this he's done it yeah. he looks fitter than any other Celtic player if you ask me he bombs it constantly up the wing but he gets back as well the boy I don't understand what is good like, he must have been at a really good level in the youth before he broke into the first team. Now, you see a lot, because that's one thing the club's been very good with in recent years, is is advertising the youth games and, and you know, live-tweeting them and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Now, I'd heard the Tierney's name, but I don't think I'd heard as much as I've heard of the likes of Aitchison um, or Cal- Calvin Miller. Well, true, Winger. true, true. But you're not going to really, you're not really going to hear... This, but he must have been a... a a, a higher level than those boys. I don't think any of them, like Nesbitt even, could go into the team and do what he's done. No. I'd Fair th- enough, different position, I get that, but... I, I think, that with all due respect, Louis, we should not underestimate and undersell how fantastic he's been ever because he has done... St- he's what he's, nine, he's just turned 20. He is already a Scottish internationalist. Um, he get, is getting played... He's a top assist... This sort of talent doesn't come round often. No, is the no. point, and it won't come round often. You'll get guys coming into the team and doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Henderson's there or thereabouts. Well, does Henderson have an actual overall future? Probably not, because mid central midfield is, in my opinion, the most important part of the team, especially for a Celtic team. So, just so you know, he's still a teenager, still nineteen. Is he still nineteen? Your, I thought. Sorry, I ages are way wrong. My he, ages are like Bowd's pronunciation of Dutch yes. and your pronunciation. He turned. He turned. He uh, turned nineteen in June. Shit. See, I thought. He, yeah. Well, that's good. Good to know. Good to know. Um, you mentioned Ralston there. I've seen him a few times. I've yeah. not been that impressed with him. But um, he's one of the ones that's the, the buds player from the uh, development squad. I was watching Tierney. He goes on one of the posts from corners, and he was standing right in the middle of the goals just as they were all setting up, and he looks toty. So there's not much difference between him and the rest of the, the development squad physically. He's built up a wee bit, but I it's think his it legs, is... his legs, though. Have you seen his legs? Ah, chunky. 
like the the muscle that he's Re- got on his thighs is clearly obviously he's physically going to develop with so many first team games yeah. but that's where the running power's coming from yeah. obviously but he's st- the thing is I think there's games especially and I, I know it's, it's harsh but especially the Barcelona game um he there has been things that have come up that you can clearly see. I'm I'm sure it's very clear to him what he's got to work on yeah. in terms of being isolated and being able to stop across or defend properly yeah. when when he's got a, a winger running at him. That's a big weakness of his. The other thing is his decision making. Sometimes with, with with corners defending corners and when to leave a position and things like that. We've seen it in games, but. If that's all you've got to worry about, and it's obvious things that he can work yeah. on, and that's the thing, though, every every player needs to continually work to develop. Yeah, of course. Um, does he follow any of you on Twitter? No, didn't think so. He follows me. Oh. Um, follows yes, me at, at the gal. If you want to be like, have uh, you slid in his DMs yet? <laughs> just you, wait, I'm actually waiting to <laughs> see if I get that phone. <laughs> um, if any of you want to be like um, Kieran Tierney um, at the Galatron. Um Okay, just before we move on to Man City, um, a couple of questions. Paul at Green and White Hoops um, and Lewis, um, Lewis underscore Celt. Uh, Lewis says, in my opinion, Sinclair will be the most up for the Man City game. He want to prove a point and get one over the team who ruined his career. Good point. Um, kind of link, too. Um, links on to Paul. And before we move on to Man City... Who will be the top scorer this year? Griffiths, Dembele or Sinclair? Paul says it will be Griffiths. I, I say Dembele. Dembelers, Demberino, Lutown. Um, I think it will be Sinclair because I think he'll play more games than, than Dembele and Griffiths. He's not really got much competition for his place, whereas the other two are, are fighting against each other. Well, are they? And that's what we'll move into.
Joining us now is Miguel Delaney, a football journalist based in London who has covered the Premier League and European and World Games for ESPN FC, uh, the Independent and the Irish Examiner, as well as 442 and the Blizzard. Uh, hi Miguel, thanks for joining us. Hey lads. Great stuff. Um, I mean, what we want to do is we're just going to be covering um, the kind of Man City game. Um, Celtic obviously get a big game during uh, tomorrow. Um, we kind of pride ourselves on being a sort of positive sort of podcast, even though we're called the 90 Minute Cynics. Um, how does Celtic go about beating City on Wednesday? Uh, well, I think it's a particularly interesting question just for the fact. Um, now, I think, well, first of all, just as a caveat, unlike, I think, maybe, well, Brendan Rodgers, I suppose, gets, gets a, a certain amount of criticism, particularly in England, and those covered the Premier League, given how Liverpool ended. But I'm, I'm actually... Well, I have some caveats about some, maybe some of his man management and that, and some of the things he said about Liverpool. But I suppose that's probably one of the biggest issues, some of the things he can say. But I think his idea of football is actually excellent. I think, uh, I, just from talking to people who've worked with him, the way he works in terms of coaching players is excellent. But, and I think in, in, the, in the long term, that's a very, very good thing. Uh, I think, but I think the particular problem for this game is that if Brendan Rodgers plays his usual game against this man, City, um, it, it, it could open him up to a similar result then against, as against Barca. Maybe, maybe not quite that bad, but I, I think I think there's a particularly interesting challenge here from, from Rodgers himself. I mean, when you're playing against Guardiola's side, it's almost like what happened with Spain throughout the area of, of 2008-2012, which, of course, you know, influenced the, the Guardiola team and vice versa, given there were so many on each side. But there was a proven way, sorry, I wouldn't say quite a proven way, but the most successful way of playing them was always the same. It was basically just sitting back very, very deep, congesting space, and kind of riding your luck, to be honest. But it did involve going kind of back to the wall defence um, and, and then looking to play on the counter. And so Celtic did something similar as well. When it beat Barcelona, well, by that point it was Tito Villanova's Barcelona, but it was still very much the pep team in 2012-13. Uh, and I'm not sure Rodgers would will, will ever be willing just given, the, just given his his approach to the game, how he views it, I'm not sure he's ever willing to tr- to try that. So it's up to him, I suppose. I mean, if, if that's how they are to beat City, I think that's the way to do it because because of Guardiola's specific way of playing. Uh, but otherwise, I think Rodgers probably going to have to come up with some sort of tactical innovation. Miguel, the, um, Swansea at the weekend, they, to, to their credit, they didn't really sit too deep. They did try and press and did try and, you know, kind of come forward to Man City and, and in terms of trying to kind of yeah. influence the game that way. Fair enough, Celtic, are, are, there's a big quality difference between the two teams. Is that something that we could possibly do? Obviously, more akin to what Rogers knows. Would that work the same, or do you think it it will probably go the way kind of Barcelona went, where it is just sitting in deep? It's uh, it's probably one of those things that if it's one of those nights where absolutely everything goes for you, and they kind of suffer a few kind of issues, that you can take them on in their terms. Because uh, I think Swansea played quite well, and Saturday they they gave City a lot of problems, but it was still by the end like just a little bit of a a, a relatively comfortable City win. But by the end of the game, anyway, maybe not for the first forty-five to fifty minutes. Um, and I suppose that's like, that, like it's just and even if you look at the last week when um, Guardiola came out with that with those comments about Eddie Howe's Bournemouth that were kind of construed as a bit of a dig at Mourinho and United. You know, they're the best he we play that, that season. You kind of see what Guardiola's actually saying there, but by the same token, it's almost as if like, well, 
he's praising that because it's also the type of football he most enjoys playing. If a team is willing to play football against his team, then just create this open game. And because of the quality he introduces, and because of you know the way he coaches, well, how how good he is a manager, it generally it generally means his teams will win in in that sort of match. Yes, yeah, the funny thing is the team that's came that Celtic have played this season that have impressed me most have been Alawa. So that shows the difference yeah. in quality overall. Um, looking at the kind of goalkeeping situation, Celtic have issues. We've got Craig Gordon who has a, in my opinion, suffering a crisis of confidence. But we've also got De Vries who has came from Forest with a kind of semi decent reputation, getting their Player of the Year. Um, Obviously, Man City have had issues with their goalkeeper. Do you think, is Bravo, you know, it's a tale of two goalkeepers in a way, is Bravo the yeah. sort of weak link for City? And how can we kind of expose him? Well, he is a weak link in the sense, I mean, to be honest, I, I'd again, I'd, kind of, I'd buy into this idea that, yeah, like, with Bravo, it's basically kind of a, it's a risk assessment thing because Guardiola, it makes such a difference to the way he plays to have a goalkeeper that can properly play the ball with his feet because it's almost an extra outfield player. And it's, and, I suppose the argument would be that even if there is, a, even if to get that keeper, you're not going to get the best goalkeeper in the world, and say in terms of kind of shot stop and all the all the traditional goalkeeping qualities, the uh, the benefit of the team and what and what allows you to do in possession outweighs the cost of any potential errors. That, but it, that isn't to say that it can't be very costly very often. I mean, with that United game, like that that, that, that was actually quite a remarkable match in anyway in many ways because I actually from the way City performed the first half. That, that that was really they were two 0 up and it could have been four or five. I think had the game continued as it was, it, it could really have been embarrassing for United and Mourinho because I think Celtic or sorry, I think City were that much in command. Um, but then just just because Bravo lost confidence and it kind of affected everything they did, and also United realised that the way to kind of do the one way to get at City is just to kind of keep pummeling balls up to Bravo and take advantage of his lack of height because I think he's about in terms of meters. I saw the other day he's what one point eight five meters. I can't actually remember what that, what that <laughs> translates into feet at the moment. Um, but he's quite small for a goalkeeper. And I suppose so if, there, if there is one way that, that Celtic can expose that, it is kind of balls, just put him under pressure. He's, he's dropped a few crosses already, particularly in that game against United. Uh, and it is a potential avenue. But again, I suppose Rodgers has never exactly been the sort of manager who's prioritised that sort of football. So, I mean, it could be one of, it could be one of these games. It's almost kind of a, a little bit of a philosoph- like uh, the, the irony of it is, given he is playing against a man like Guardiola, it's almost a philosophical test for Rodgers because, you know, he has to maybe make this short-term compromise. Correct. And what you're saying there, Bravo has started very well. Um, There's been a few shaky moments, but Guardiola seems to be great at making the hard decisions. I believe they've won 10 out of the, the 10 games, the competitive games that they've had at the start of the season. What Specifically, do you think Guardiola has changed since he's come into City? Because I think this time last season, everything was looking rosy for City. They were doing well yeah. in the league, Champions League as well. But what's actually changed since he's come in? I, ha- I have seen a few comments kind of linking how, oh, like, well, it's nothing to get too excited about yet because they started last season exactly the same way. But just from uh, from talking to people who work in City, and I know people close to Guardiola's staff, there, there, there is a difference and it's just... One one big problem with City under Pellegrini, the players all liked Pellegrini. He had good tactical ideas, but the problem was, but he's he kind of he coached or managed in a very kind of detached way, and he had an idea, but it wasn't really like it. It was almost a sort of management that it required all the players to be on form, a little bit Arsene Wenger like in the sense, 
if 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 players were all in a kind of a groove and a confidence, uh, and together they kind of you know they were there was a good understanding between them, it would it would look absolutely brilliant and they were perfect. But they just rarely had a kind of fail safe when things were off or where something went to, went against them, and it explained a few kind of bad collapses last season. Like I think the, the the game that kind of set them set all their problems off last year. When I was at because then they got beaten four one by Spurs at White Hart Lane, because so, they always had the propensity to collapse. Now the one thing you would say about a Guardiola team, one infamous semi final against Real against uh, Real Madrid for Bayern Munich apart, they've never really collapsed in that way because they just and, and that's because I think he introduces intensity, but it, but it's more than that. It's also um, it's just like if you, if you, I suppose again the players have brought up so much Raheem Sterling one of the main issues with Raheem Sterling last season is talking to people that work around City was very often he would get Yaya Toro would be playing him a square ball at the corner of the 18 yard box that he couldn't really do much with and it was just the issue with City throughout you know they had a framework of how Pellegrini wanted to play but there was no kind of micro micromanagement to bring it on to the next level yeah, the actual coaching with the, with the individual players uh, wasn't of a level that Guardiola's is. I mean, what else was getting too overboard? But there has been kind of these. There's been there's been a, there's been a change at kind of every level of management. The his his tactical approach is more sophisticated than Pellegrini. Um, his individual co- coaching of players has been as a, as a more sophisticated. Um, and just Guardiola as well. I mean, I suppose he's famous at this point. Just his intensity, the way. He, the investment he showed is one of the reasons why, why he left Barcelona in the first place because he involved himself so much. So I think with this city, there isn't just isn't the same danger that we're ever going to see drop offs. And the club has been quite guilty of over the past three years because there, there has been that tendency for a lot of their kind of maybe senior players. It, it often seemed as if they were a little bit kind of they'd almost achieved a little bit too much. They'd lost some of that hunger. And again, again, you can see that with some of the players he's got rid of. You know, Hart, who you know for all the maybe justifiable criticism in some ways, but he like Hart is. A massive city personality in the history of their club. He's been a key figure in what what is statistically the most successful spell in their history. Well, Hart leaving's not the the only tough decision that he's had to make. He's yeah. also uh, got rid of Samir Nasri. He's got yeah. Yaya Touré. He's been left out of the Champions League squad. How have these tough decisions benefited the team? Well, I think I suppose it just it gets rid of. Uh, um, maybe I should be slightly careful how I put this, but I mean this metaphorically, of course. But it gets rid of the flab really in the sense that it just yeah. It tightens everything up. There's no, there's no, and it it just sets a tone that you know, you know, we mean business. That the, any sort of any sort of drop off at all won't be tolerated. I mean, I heard a story at the start of the season that you know that Guardiola had kind of set specific weight targets for any players, and if they're if they were over it, um, they they weren't going to get into the team. And even some players fought really hard to meet that, but still fell short. And you know, you know, the trying wasn't enough. They had they had to meet Guardiola's requirements. So there's all sorts of these stories, just how, I suppose, just how he's how tight he's made City. That's quite interesting. Last year, um, two years ago, when Ronnie Dyla came over at Celtic, yeah. he was lambasted for taking tomato sauce off and chips off the menu at Celtic yeah. Park. Um, it's it's quite interesting to see how uh, Guardiola's been praised for that, whereas um, up in Scotland, it can be a little bit backwards at times. Um, there's some parallel, parallels to draw, be drawn between Rodgers and Guardiola in the way that they're man managers and they the, the like to coach the players already. Yeah, we've had yeah. Scott Sinclair and Moussa Dembele talk, really talking up how well uh, Rodgers has been for them, working with them, the confidence that he's instilling in them. Um, where do you see the... the I'm trying to think of players. For I know, can, yeah. can I jump in for a second? Um, because obviously it's in different parallels, but what Guardiola 
has done with Sterling. Um, yeah, he's going to bring him over, yeah. Yeah, and what, um, funnily enough, Brendan Rodgers has done with James Forrest, which is a player who plays in the exact same position. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Yeah, well, let's be fair, actually. The, the best spell of Guardiola, or sorry, of Sterling's career up until this point was 2013-14 under Rodgers and under that kind of coaching structure. So again, yeah, there's more parallels. But even in terms of the Ronnie Delia stuff, I suppose it almost comes back to that thing, though, as well, that if the manager has one charisma or two, whatever he does, just gets results, he can basically get away with anything. I mean, because, you know, if, if say, if, um, if, 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 you know, Delia brought in that, but still got the European results, it was still kind of, you know, that, that positive atmosphere around Celtic, then, you know, it just, just the spin and that changes. Suddenly, it um that looks like a masterstroke rather than something that kind of created a bad atmosphere. Uh, and I suppose and it's, it's it's actually similar with some like it, it's something brought up in terms of uh, some of Roger's statements in the past. I mean, he he got he's got so much criticism for certain things he said at Liverpool, but then in the twenty in twenty thirteen fourteen season when they were now flying with the league was a sensational season. There wasn't much criticism what he was saying then. So, you know, it's almost like a manager can get away with anything so long as he gets the key mix right, which is basically to uh, to make a winning team and a team that feels good at itself. And I think that's clearly happening with both um, Celtic and City at the moment, just despite the, the result of Barcelona. Yeah, and just just to go away from maybe this one match um, for a second, it's a meeting. It is a meeting between two clubs who are similarly trying to establish themselves in European football. Um, at, at this point, Celtic obviously not being in the Champions League for a while, trying to to just stabilise as a Champions League club. Man yeah. City obviously wanting to progress. Really, ultimate goal is to is to win the competition. We we've spoke about it uh, quite a number of times and kind of debated the the kind of the benefit of the Europa League and and mm-hmm. the the value that's placed on that tournament. Obviously in England, but and more specifically to uh, to to Celtic because you know for us the Champions League, in my personal view, is really all about the money because yeah. we cannot compete. I wonder how how do you see that? Do you see you know that you see the likes of Seville who have won the the Europa League and really through that competition they've been able to progress and, and compete. Do you think that really, although it, it might be difficult for some fans to to stomach, do you think that competition represents a more realistic place for a, for a team like Celtic? Maybe similarly with teams such as. Sporting Lisbon, yeah. uh, Ajax, that kind of level of club that really, with a big differential in money, the Europa League is is some somewhere that we should really be looking at and thinking that's where we should be. Well, I, I mean, it, it's quite weird. In many ways, the Europa League has actually become the true continental competition because really the Champions League, as you mentioned there, has become the preserve of about eight to ten super clubs or maybe one one or two you know, odd, odd outliers coming in every season. But it is really just, I mean, look look at the semi-finals every single year. And it actually, like this, this has actually been a bit of a, an obsession of mine, of mine as a topic, just the kind of erosion of the Champions League in terms of that, in, in terms of that as an event. In terms, it's an event that's lost its vitality, just or sorry, it's more so its variety. And I think it is a very, very sad thing that the kind of just, just unstoppable globalization of the game and the game's kind of embrace, embrace of ultra-capitalism has meant that like really some of its, traditional clubs and some of the some of the champions of this competition in the past like Celtic like Ajax like Benfica 
just like they they can't be powers anymore in that way. And even I did a piece the weekend actually just for the, the Sunday Independent because Ireland are playing Georgia next week. So I did a piece on um, Dynamo the Dynamo Tbilisi side of the seventies that kept Liverpool. And um, you know Graham Souness described them as the best team they played across that entire era. And I was watching I was watching some of the footage of that team and they, they were they were just distinctive and really really good. And it's just it's absolutely impossible for a team from outside the the, the cabal. To, to to do anything like that anymore. It's like, to, even to get close to that level. Like, I was, I was trying to think about, actually, just after I wrote the piece, who were the last truly distinctive team from, quote-unquote, outside to kind of dazzle Europe as a surprise? I mean, I suppose you've got maybe Mourinho's port in 2004. That's possibly the story of kind of Mourinho's rise and a little bit of luck, maybe more so than that, to do with this. But then the, the, the real one is, is probably... Andrei Shevchenko's Dynamo Kiev team in 1999. That, that's going a, a fair way back. And that's still a kind of a big, wealthy Ukrainian club. The only other team that I can think of would be the semi-finals again, uh, PSV and Monaco. Um, yeah, yeah. We yeah, managed that, to yeah, get Jan Vanegar of PSV got to the semis the following year as well. Yeah. Yeah, and let's not forget uh, 2003 when Celtic almost beat Mourinho's uh, bloody Porto. Yeah. yeah. Big, big, big shout out. But even if you think about that, like that area, like I remember th- those Celtic, like as you, even the way we've been talking in this kind of podcast, the way kind of there's this kind of acceptance that Celtic have to, um, you know, make so many compromises to even compete anymore. But if you look back even a decade ago to the Champions League games under Martin O'Neill at, at, at that period, and like the Celtic matches were were a proper event in Europe, you know, like there was a re- there was a sense of being able to get massive results off the event, which of course happened. Um, and teams like that, and it's just, I think, and it is, it is a tragedy of European football, that, uh, relative to European football, not relative to a tragedy, of course, but it, but it is sad that we're at this point now, where just, the kind of, the game, the, there's been this uh, financial erosion of the game, that, that we, we just have to accept this. Is that partly to explain why the Manchester City fans haven't really bought into the Champions League, and why the Etihad isn't quite sold out for the Champions League games? Um. Maybe I, I think there's possibly there's possibly a few issues going on there. I, I I think some of that a lot of that actually to do with the cl- club's kind of almost ongoing adjustment to the fact that they're not you know they're not Manchester's second club anymore in that sense in the way the world they're they're a proper global super club now and the expectation on the club is to on a club like that is to properly compete in the Champions League and I, I do wonder maybe, maybe this could be slightly unfair in them but I do sometimes I I always sometimes wondered whether that uh, resentment of the Champions League was just down to the fact that they didn't do that well in it, so they had to kind of pretend they didn't care that much, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but that's, I, so, hence, I can actually see that changing if they, if they have another good run this season. Um, we don't want to keep you too much longer, but um, just kind of on this game on Wednesday, how is it kind of being perceived kind of in England? I mean, is it seen as a big game? Maybe the way, you know, obviously we've, we've beaten kind of English clubs in the past, recent yeah. past. With them, um, obviously Manchester United and, and Liverpool and stuff, Blackburn. Um, is this being perceived as a kind of big match in England, or is it just another Champions League group game against an inferior opposition? Um, the fact that Celtic and it's Scotland, England, kind of maybe changes adds a little bit of more dimension. Well, it, it's sad to say that it just it isn't being seen in the way kind of uh, cross border clashes were in the past. It's, it's it's kind of it is just seen as well. Right, the, the Brendan Rodgers angle adds a bit more as well, but it is just seen as. City will likely pick up a, a relatively easy win, which again is and that's a reflection of kind of the economic differences right now. Sadly, yeah, exactly. to be fair, a reflection of uh, of Guardiola. I'd have, I'd have been Pellegrini City uh, at some particularly 
Um, some of their more mediocre points last season. I, I would have fancied this this Roger Celtic to to give them give them a proper challenge. Well, what we would say is uh, better teams than City have came to Parkhead and been handed yeah. a lesson. So let's hope. Have you got any predictions for the game, Miguel? Uh, it's like probably three one City to be honest. Oh, you bastard! You come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, thanks for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank no, you. No butter, Cheers. Cheers. One, one more question. Yeah. What's your favourite biscuit? <laughs> uh, fuck. <laughs> I'm not cursing this. I know, it's a difficult one. Isn't it? It's a tough one. That, um, I had actually, the other day, um, my flatmate brought home these um, kind of these chunky Marks and Spencer's biscuits with kind of, I thought there's more chocolatey than a biscuit then, but it was, yeah, it was some white chocolate, yeah, Marks and Spencer. It was, it was decent. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to get a name for you and then I'll send, send you a tweet. Yeah, if you could tweet us that, that would be uh, most obliged. <laughs> um, but Miguel, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for speaking to us. No problem. Cheers. Miguel Delaney for getting involved um, you can follow Miguel on Twitter at Miguel Delaney um, and you can check out his website MiguelDelaney.com uh, pleasure listening to him and speaking to him And yeah we talked very very highly of Brendan Rogers. a lot of great interesting facts about Pep and Man City as well yeah great great getting perspective from you know some, someone different um, someone not within the sort of the, the, the bubble of Glasgow as well to be fair but Talking of Manchester City, it's a massive game. Louis, I want your team. I want your... Well, from everyone, I want your team, your expectation, and how you think we're going to line up. Tough. Okay, first question from that would be... And I want just just answer, yes or no, or with a name. 
Gordon or DeVries? Keith? Gordon. Louis? Oh, he's doing a funny face. Oh, yes. DeVries. Do the accent. Do the accent. DeVries. DeVries. Uh, why DeVries? Because he's good with his feet. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Shut up. Um, no, well, for, for reasons that I've, I've already mentioned, yes, Craig Gordon is a better uh, shot stopper. You were almost ready to say goalkeeper there. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, probably over the piece he is, eh? Um, Gordon is, is is a better shot stopper, and although you would think that in itself is all the argument you need to put him in, I still think we are not expected to win this. I don't think we can seriously go into this game with expectations or, you know, we can't expect to get a result here. We can. We we can did you expect to get a result um, I know I'm not going to bring up the Barcelona result um, but did you expect to get a result any European game last I, I just think well it's, it's well, I, I wouldn't know I didn't expect it I was I, I wanted it to happen I Would willed be? it on yes but you're not going to go into the game and ex- you, you can't expect to win I expect a performance yeah okay I think I, um, think, that, I think that's a fair result but we shouldn't expect to beat anyone because we're not that type no, of team no but at, at the cool. same time, I still think for De Vries's confidence for his position in the team, he is the one that got uh, that that uh, Brendan Rodgers wants in there. He brought him in. He wants him to be good. I think he would have more shots to save. He's got a chance to hopefully, you know, if we were to put on a performance, and he was a part of that, I think it would make his Celtic career to th- at this point. So I think if he is your first choice. You have the confidence to put them in. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. From a, I would play Gordon, but if if Rogers, if Devries is fully fit, there are rumours he hurt his chest. I don't know. He had a bit of a red neck. What off the park the other day? Oh, you made that. Someone else made it. Brian made that joke. I think. Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't steal Brian's <laughs> jokes. It's my joke. Oh, was it your joke? Aye, oh, fair enough. I'll take but it. Um, as as Miguel kind of mentioned, the kind of parallels between Bravo. And um, De Vries about how if you have one set of skills, you might not have the both. So therefore, you're going to sacrifice the, maybe the, the the great ability to be a shot stopper if you're using the ball at the feet. You know how how that kind of works. Obviously, you get crossovers like Neuer, who's just the best goalkeeper in the world and does both. Um, but okay, so we all agree that. Well, actually, myself and Keith agree that we would go with Gordon. Yep. Uh, Louis, you go with De Vries. Yep. Are we looking at a back four? Yep. I think we should because that's what we're playing, that's what we're used to. We we went to the three with the two wing backs, we didn't look comfortable. Yeah, we didn't. Um who would be your choices, sir? Um Tierney. Tierney, of course. Lustig, right back. Hi. Um with Colo and Eric. Um for me, yep, it would be Lustig right back. Colo, Eric, and uh, Tierney left back. The centre back one, I, I, as I said before, I would definitely ha- I would have to put Colo in there. Whether you drop uh, Yozo or Eric, for me, I, I'm still a wee bit curious as to see how Yozo would do in a ultra defensively under pressure sense he's he, he's at his best when he's got the ball at his feet I think 
and he he's composed enough that he can pick a pass or he can move forward with it and, and advance up the pitch with the ball. He's he's quite good at carrying it that way. How good he would be having to main, maintain unbelievable concentration when you're on, you've got an onslaught in front of you, and you're trying to watch spaces and things like that, kind of like against you know the kind of mindset you have to have against Barcelona, for example. Yeah. I don't know how he would do with that. I think Eric would probably be the better defender in that situation. So I'm thinking about the amount of pressure that you're going to have from Man City. I think probably Eric would go on. I had a Yozo. Um, that's that, fair enough. Um, good, good kind of points. What about central midfield? Actually, well, Brian makes a point. Despite losing, despite losing, Swansea played well against Man City and got a lot of joy by pressing very high. Do you reckon we should try this? Well, that's something we kind of covered with with Miguel. How should we before we get to the midfield? Should we be defensive and try and hit them on the counter attack, or should we? Uh, get in our faces a la Barcelona and hope <laughs> hope that we don't get a, a tanking I, th- I think from a midfield point of view you've probably it's probably the wide areas that we've got to worry about most and that's why um, Forrest starts yeah for, Forrest for me definitely starts but I think it's going to be so important Forest and you're you're gonna have to play Sinclair. So I th- if they are they two are gonna be wide. They've got a massive job to do defensively to help Tierney and Lustig. I think the middle of the park it almost isn't gonna be. I I don't like. I don't think it's gonna be as important. Um, just because I I I see them more as being so influential out wide that the midfield. It might not be as much coming through there, but obviously we need to be solid. Well, Fernandinho's started the season very, oh, very well. Yeah, he's yeah. been excellent for them. Um, so we need to really close him down so that when he's breaking up the play, he's not yeah, getting the, of course. He's really pressured. I think that I, I do think Brown and Beaton will both start. Um, and I, I think the the only one which will be interesting will be. Look at him smiling your face. It'll be Roger. <laughs> but the thing is, he left him out for Barcelona, and. I don't know if that really worked for him, and I think, you know, he he's come back into the team after that game, went straight back in, and he's done. He's he's shown his class. I think, to a certain extent, possibly, Rogers maybe have had his fingers burnt with that, and he's maybe thinking I need that to was play more him. a sacrifice for the formation though. So yeah, that I, know, the extra I know, defender. It wasn't as if we were playing but see McGregor that, in his but place. It ultimately, but still, you're taking such still, a. A good player out of the equation. I believe. Uh-huh. I believe the point I made. Sorry, I'll, I'll come to you in a minute, Keith. If you just want to shut your fucking mouth for a second. <laughs> um, the point I made in that game before that that preview of that game was that I'd rather go down with Gale and Skill than mm-hmm. go down playing five at the back. And unfortunately, you know, if we'd lost seven goals with Logic playing and not kicking his arse, people would have been like, "Well, we've you know, it's not good enough because he's not tracking back and he's not good enough for Europe." Yeah. But we lost seven goals with a workmanlike midfield. Um, and that's why people keep asking there's a couple of comments here about who should we have should we have Armstrong play should we um, you know should we go tight should we have McGregor in there and I think ultimately again fuck it again I'd rather go down with a bit of guile a bit of craft a bit of skill than because having a workman like midfield um, you're making a rod for your own back almost when when you get the ball you're gubbed McGregor has at times this season 
looked fearful when he's been on the ball in European games and pressurised situation. Armstrong developing a little bit better under Rodgers but ultimately I don't think he should be thrown in for this game no. he, he might have an engine he might like to do a 1-2 and you know as I see I do think he actually has developed quite a lot in the last couple of months but frankly no go down with a ship play Tam play Tam aye play Tam hashtag play Tam somebody else had actually tweeted in about uh, O'Connell playing in a defensive midfield role where I don't agree with that at all, I don't think. But that's the type of player that we totally missed out on in uh, the transfer window. We don't have a truly defensive holding midfielder. Yeah, but we still went for fucking James Morrison, who's not that yeah. at all. I don't. I don't think it's no I, sense. I don't think it's so much a defensive midfielder, in you know, in the sense of one being on the ball because we've got that with Beaton and, and that's where Brown plays. The issue for me is that we don't have really a central midfielder that can win the ball back. Yeah. That's the issue. And and Brown Brown does it. But if we had obviously every team wants uh, a Cante, but yeah I think a Cante and, and the the interceptions that he made last year, the way he was able to to break things up and win the ball back and pass that's, it to the better that, players. That, that's what we need. But that's the key point that you've made there. Brown and Bitton don't break play up. They intercept. Yes. There's a difference between... And I know you obviously know this. I'm not being thingy. There's a difference between intercepting and breaking play up. Yep. Kyle was great in his first season at breaking play up. That gate, that slowly developed out of his game and therefore he became a different player and one that didn't necessarily suit what we're looking for Wanyama was a destroyer we don't have the table that thing again. I, know, I keep doing that I don't know why it's a table hitting the table you can't actually hear it on the podcast though, so it's fine uh, but yeah so I, I, your points are very valid um, and that'll be they'll be asked again in, in, in January is there anyone that we could develop into that could Armstrong become that Probably not. No. I've never really seen the only him. one that had that energy, that intensity for actually getting in people's faces would have been Johansson, but it wasn't. It wasn't good enough at it. He didn't Aye. have the the composure to know when to press properly, and uh, it was a bit too petulant at times. Talking about Tam Rogic, um, a wee bit further up, I think he should definitely start on Wednesday because he would give us that out ball we can play the ball into his feet and he, he, they can't get it off him he's like Aye, Tommy it's Cooper his ability, his ability to keep the ball has improved so much yeah. they can't get the ball off it's him. as if he dangles the ball in front of them and they go oh they're the ball I'm quite stuck. I don't that gone away uh, he's a magician when it comes to stuff like really that really is he's sensational frankly um, probably Sinclair Forest yeah yeah. Uh, um, I think they're a better out ball than Patrick Roberts would be. Um, we need to play into his feet. I think Kieran mentioned about uh, Patrick Roberts being able to keep the ball and then we get up the park a wee bit. I would much rather see us play a wee bit like Leicester did last season where we hit the ball long and give people something to run on to. Give us a chance then to get up the park. But it's who would we play up top then? Who would be our outlet there? Lovely little segue. Um, Alex McDee at Alex McDee 93 who might be coming to a game in February, we're allowed to believe. She she mentioned that on Twitter. Um, with Griffiths fit again, do you start with Griffiths or Dembele? Or, and this is quite interesting, do you change formation to play both? Now, that's maybe the issue. I was I actually got a text along those lines that Alex is saying from Kevin, Kevin Gillespie, my brother-in-law, and he says, do you think that 
he might try and develop Griffiths into playing that number 10 role just off because as we mentioned as I mentioned a while ago what you know partnerships from a forward line there's always someone who's going to drop deep mm-hmm. is that something that might become long term he played both both of them stayed on the pitch on Wednesday um obviously if we're playing as that formation you're going to have to drop Tom Rogic for for Griffiths Griffiths obviously always tries always kind of skews left because mm-hmm. that's his natural position um, for for this game on Wednesday, uh, Alex asks, who starts, Griffiths or Dembele? For me, it would be Dembele because we were talking about the Kamarnock game where he shows the ability to hold up the ball, to bring other players into it. Whereas I think Griffiths would be good to be there, struggling with a couple of goals behind or even if it was tied level. I think Griffiths coming on would have a better impact. Than Dembele coming on? Yes. Excellent point. Uh, Lou Dog, he's got a wee smile on his face here. What's going on? I'm going to say the opposite. <laughs> I would uh, I would start Griffiths. I've got wee you bit of a rash charlatan. <laughs> wee bit of a, a worry with Dembele in that being he, as any striker can be and as Griffiths has been he can get isolated and the Barca game I thought he really did struggle to have any influence at times because he was so isolated. Um, If we're not going to have the ball much, when we do get the ball, we need to break quick with pace into space. And I think if you have Sinclair, you have Forrest, but probably more importantly, you have Griffiths. Who can who can he's he's fast. He can run. He'll he'll run into space. He'll, he'll work um, as much as he possibly needs to. I I would I would go with Griffiths. He he's annoying for you know. Remember, you for me you're playing against obviously a quality that is way higher than you, right? You're playing against players, defenders who, okay, maybe are not the best defenders in the league, but should be at a different level compared to your players. They would love to have Dembele playing in front of them. If Dembele is standing in front of the two centre-halves and they are technically better footballers, they're going to love that because they can see him. What they're going to hate is a wee guy with pace who is willing to run behind them and is playing off their shoulder and they've got to be wary of. I think Griffiths, if and it, it, it obviously relies on the rest of the team being able to feed the ball to him, but I think he's got a great chance to really make an impact in Europe in this game. At, at home in all the games, but especially this one. I don't see Griffiths doing that, though. It, maybe it's in games at Celtic Park when they are pushing right up. I see Griffiths dropping deep for the ball too often. That's why I think Dembele would be a better choice. But even if you're looking for somebody beyond the, the shoulders to run in behind, Sinclair would probably be a better option for for that type of role. Um, looking at the Man City team that played against Swansea, um, Sanya and Collar over their two fullbacks, Otamendi and Stones. Um, looking at weaknesses there, um, Stones is still very inexperienced at this level. Um, his positioning can go to pot at times. Um, Kolarov, very good in terms of um, going forward. Not necessarily the best at coming back. It's probably the same with Sanya as well. 
then Fernandinho has been excellent for them sitting in front yeah. and then you've got a, f- a four of Sterling, Gundogan, Silva and De Bruyne. Now, we're being led to believe that De Bruyne is out. Four weeks. Four weeks. Okay, so what they'll do is they'll just bring on Navas. Navas, no little as well. Um, yeah, again, they've got, they've got um, options. And then you've got Aguero, who is probably one of the most on-form strikers in the world. Can't play in the league. Sorry? Can't play in the league because he was suspended. He played in the league and again, he scored twice. I know, but he's had time when he's been oh, out, sorry. so he's, he's back and wanting to... I apologise. This, yeah. this is his... Because Ian Acho has been impressive when, he, yeah, when, he, when yeah. he's played, another youngster. Um, so, look, we're absolutely up against it, there's no doubt about it, but as I mentioned when we talked to Miguel, better teams have come to Parkhead and lost against weaker Celtic teams. You know, we, we, we defeated AC Milan, who were the European champions, with Scott McDonald and Barry Robson in midfield. So, yeah. it's it's not out of the realms of possibility. My... Okay, we'll, we'll go. Okay. Can, well, I, I, I get what you're saying. I agree with you. We shouldn't have any fear. And let's face it, if we're going to do anything in this group, it's going to be at home. So yeah. we better be saving our best for, for the home ties. But if you roll back to last season under Pellegrini, and it was Pellegrini bringing his Man City team up here, how different would you feel about it? You know, how much has Pep Guardiola gave everybody the fear because I'll be honest it changes it completely for me Pellegrini's team come up here I'd say we'll give him we'll give them a game Pele, but Pep Guardiola's team come up I just think it's a different story yeah but that's you know? I think that's part of his mysticism yeah. the fact that people you know we, we shouldn't give these guys any respect we should literally we are Glasgow Celtic playing in, yeah, at Celtic yeah. Park yeah. we have beaten far bigger clubs we've beaten far better teams um, Ronaldinho with Barcelona they came here some of the biggest names in European football at the time um, we beat them 1-0 we beat one of the greatest Barcelona teams of all times uh, at Celtic Park um, drawn with Bayern Munich yeah Can again I, as I said we beat AC Milan when they were European champions here we beat Juventus, Juventus. fact is all I want from Celtic when they when they when they, they, the 90, when the 90 minutes is over this is going to sound the table thing keep doing the table thing when the 90 minutes is over against Manchester City I want every one of those players to know that they've given everything I know that sounds really Friday Night Lights and lame oh, it's, but it's stinking no, no, it is stinking <laughs> but see from the perspective of they didn't do themselves any justice against Barcelona yeah uh, there's a lot of people who really didn't show up against Barcelona don't have Barcelona. any regrets don't have any regrets leave it all out there son. leave, it out, Le- the leave it out in the field uh, and with that bombshell alright Jeremy 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 Clarkson. No, that's Alan Partridge, dickhead. Um, top gear, mate. That's how he's closed every top gear. That's how Alan Partridge uh, used to cro- um, close um, Knowing Me, Knowing You. Ah, uh-huh. So, I think you're talking pish. You're talking pish, mate. I do, actually. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, is there any other kind of points you want to... Predictions? Uh, prediction would be... Let's say four one to Celtic. No, <laughs> I went. I went with four 0 Barca. So hey, I'm giving us more of a chance this time. Uh, my prediction is a two each draw. I was going to say that. Really, I, I think we'll be doing very well to see as long as we score. Be honest, Keith. Be honest. I'm thinking three one, but as long as we score. 
we all get a chance to go mental. Christ, I'll be happy. You, could, you really are the ninety minute cynic <laughs> these days. Yep. It is depressing times. But you know, any just other... wait to the Gladbach game. Aye, forty now. Sneak a draw. <laughs> Sneak a <laughs> <the> draw. <laughs> um, we are the 90 Minute Cynic. You can catch us on Twitter at 90 Minute Cynic. That is definitely the best place to catch us. Keith's doing a terrific job with the, the, the Cynic Twitter. Keep it up. Blue Dog as well. Blue Dog as well. Blue Dog's yes. focus more on the Flipboard than the Instagram, to be fair. <laughs> um, both going strong. Right? Both going yeah. strong. Uh, we're on speakerspeaker.com slash the 90 Minute Cynic. We're part of the Hail Hail Media group. Um, check us on there. If you search for Hail Hail Media on Speaker, you can get us there. Check the 90 Minute Cynic out on iTunes. Um, I, if you've got an iPhone, you if, might as well. If you've got an iPhone, you might as well. Um, ninety minutes cynic, uh, the ninety minutes cynic football podcast. Yeah, just type in ninety minutes cynic. You'll find us. You'll find us. Um, subscribe if you could, and leave 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 a wee message if you like. <laughs> a good. review as long as it's positive. positive. Yeah, if you leave a negative review, we will find you. <laughs> we'll try and find every way we possibly can <laughs> to delete it. <laughs> <laughs> you can, but we'll give it a go. Um, ninety minutes cynic dot com. Yeah, new articles going up on a weekly basis. It was a great article last week by um, Ryan um, about uh, one of the most famous stadiums in Dublin. It was an excellent read. Really enjoyed that. So get involved. Uh, yeah, so that's facebook.com slash 90 Minute Cynic as well. That's us. Bebo. That's us. Bebo.com slash 90 Minute Cynic. <laughs> MySpace. MySpace, your space, our space, everyone's oh. space. Um, yeah, Keith Maginty. McGinty, Hard G, <laughs> still don't know his name. Thanks, Chris Jalaka. <laughs> I don't That's like it funny. when the when the That's tables funny. are reversed. It's not great. <laughs> uh, thanks, Keith. Um, at Ginty eighteen eighty eight on Twitter. At Ginty eighteen eighty eight. Ginty eighteen eighty eight. Louis McCaffrey, uh, the constant. Constantinople. No. <laughs> it's not what you call He's looking a bit like General Zod tonight, isn't he? I don't know who that is. Is if, it my hair? My if hair's a buffoon. If General Zod was a handsome hipster, then yes, you look like General Zod. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks for the tea. Thanks, Keith, for the blue bands. It's been great. I'm Chris Gallagher at the Galatron on Twitter. Um, I will and we will speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.